going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy, the Kendrick Creator, Dreadlock Blair, here back with another Dreadlock Blair interview. Actually, the first one of the year. So this is kind of a milestone. I don't usually jump this early to, to do to, to do um a, a, a interview, but you know, <laughs> we've been kind of been playing around of like I guess message tag for like the past couple of weeks or so. I guess that's the best way to put it. I'm right. of course so <laughs> I, I, I'm joined by um. Jamar Jabari, let me just make sure my phone is not all over the place. Um, Jamar Jabari, <laughs> I want to thank you for coming on to the show today. Oh, thank you for so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, you are a part of the band known as um, um, Light Warriors. Uh, yeah, Light Warriors. And how, how long has that band been been together? Yeah. Um. Well, so the band itself, Light Warriors, have been around since uh eric rabaska is the uh the lead singer and he's the uh founder um and he's been doing music for a while um uh, 20 years maybe longer okay um so the band itself um has already been established and i am one of the, their new members with my friend chris brewer for the past uh about three years now okay so um and um, I know um, we we talked a little bit. I know um, and I checked out your profile. I know you guys have been you guys kind of been almost all over the place, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, we've been uh, gigging a lot. Um, the pandemic slowed down the the gigs, but um, mm-hmm. we've been gigging a lot. And we uh, usually are in Long Island, Manhattan. Um, our base is Stanford. I'm I'm from I'm in New Haven right now, but our base okay. is Stanford. So okay. we, we do Stanford. Uh, one thing, you know, I gotta I got I gotta bring the band on to your show one day because we'll have such a great conversation. Um, one one big gig that they were able to do while I was at work, unfortunately, was live at five. Um, uh. They opened up for John Baptiste, who is okay. a Grammy artist, um, and he actually handpicked us to uh perform there which was really really dope so yeah we have over 250,000 streams i think 256 or 66 something like that um right now in 97 countries so yeah we've been trying really hard um eric Rabaska is the genius behind this and does all he can he's like always zone in 24 7 just looking at the algorithm and everything <laughs> yeah that that definitely seems to be the wave of always checking the other algorithm um we're both content creators so we know that's yeah. almost like a daily th- thing for us oh, at yeah. this point checking the algorithms to make sure everything's still where it's supposed to be 24/7. um <laughs> it's it, it, like literally like literally 24 7 um how did you um join up with the band sorry i had to get some water um no problem yeah well i've always done um poetry i've always done uh acting i always have done songwriting um a lot uh as a child my uncle uh james white who is also a rapper he's the one that taught me how to uh make music, um, write songs and stuff like that. And I've just been carrying it ever since. Um, I met Eric Burbasca through Chris. 
we were doing um chris is one of my good friends he's a saxophone player he is fire as hell he's in the band as well too um he was wearing the other dashiki i don't know if you saw the music video but he's the one in the other dashiki okay yeah i did see that um he used to be my roommate all that stuff we uh met through gaming we were always into gaming stuff like that so mm-hmm. you know gamer community always stays together yeah. um and also music we started bonding on that i was doing solo stuff that fell through i got fucked over by a friend who i have now reconciled with am i allowed to curse oh, i'm sorry no, 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 no you're good you're absolutely good <laughs> you're, you're good you're definitely uh, good but now he's good. He's cool now. My friend is cool. He he's uh getting married and all that stuff. We uh reconciled and all that stuff. So that's good. And so I just felt dead inside when it came to music. I didn't know what to do anymore after that. Mm-hmm. And Chris Brewer asked me to go with him and um just jam, do jam sessions and stuff. I was at the time I didn't pick up any instruments. I'm a percussionist now. Um, mm-hmm. At that time, I didn't know any instruments. Um, so I was just, all right, I'll just freestyle or something. And I started to fall in love with the instruments there. I started to have a more like passion towards music again. Um, so I immediately started learning percussion instruments. And I had a friend, Mario Penta, who who was also part of the band Southwest Social Club. This is a Southwest Social Club in Norwalk, Connecticut, where I used to hang out with them a lot, uh, do a lot of jam sessions. So just jamming and being around other artists, other musicians made me fall in love and want me to redo the craft. And, you know, I'm, I'm that was around the time I was 27. So now I'm almost 30. So um, it's been, it's been, a, it's been like three years so far, uh, just doing it, taking it seriously. Um, so we used to do this uh, uh, art street, there was an art street that um, it's like a rec center for kids in Greenwich. And they okay. were doing um, jam nights to, to fundraise for these kids, which I was like, all right, that's a pretty good cause. You know, I'm an activist. I'm into shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we met this band called the Two Bald Crew, who is actually pe- the, the band that was um, facilitating these uh, jam sessions. And there mm-hmm. were so many artists there from all different backgrounds all i i try to stay away from greenwich connecticut because clearly i don't have no reason to be there being a (laughs) bridgeport connecticut straight up urban hood guy (laughs) there's no reason i'll be in greenwich as often but i went there and i learned so much and um Mm -hmm. um so i met eric rabaska he was doing covers of his of, of his first two albums which is uh on, on light warriors that you could check out um on spotify and great music fell in love with it um i was learning percussion at the time so i was also practicing off of his songs and then um i ended up me and chris one day we just kept vibing we ended up becoming members in this band and it's been it's been uh great ever since <laughs> nice very nice was a music a passion of yours from a young age or as you got older um, so it was a passion of mine at a young age, and um, it was the main thing that has been always um, in the core of my heart. Mm-hmm. So, so to say, as a young age, I've I've, I've studied music. I was raised in the church, um, and you, the church music was just so great to learn. And my mom right. is in in the choir. She was the head of a choir. My dad, he was actually, a, I don't know if people know the drama quartet, but it's like old 
like almost Negro spiritual kind of uh, oh, okay. uh, music. Um, it, it's kind of similar to like James Brown in a way, but it's okay. more church is more tuned into a more uh, church vibe instead of a uh, club vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, quartet music uh, is still big in the South. Um, and my dad was a quartet singer and still is actually a quartet singer. Um, he just doesn't take it seriously anymore. He was in groups um, while he was in and off on the street and stuff like that. But okay. um, he doesn't take it seriously anymore. Now he's just a pastor. Um, okay. But so the music background was very strong instilled in me. And then I started venturing out from listening to Christian music to listening to all kinds of music and that's when I learned about the <laughs> Isley Brothers I learned about James Brown Sam Cooke um even went into rock and started listening to Sex Pistols studying <laughs> the Beatles um learning about different uh, cultures of uh, mm-hmm. music uh so it's just been I have tried to become astute and always learning and never trying to feel that I know more than anyone because I don't because I don't even know music theory like <laughs> so I don't what the hell do I know um so yeah and I just picked up I, I picked it up later on again after I left the church because I stopped being a Christian mm-hmm. um it came out as a pansexual and it was hard to be Christian and pansexual right. so I just mm-hmm. gave up trying to deal with that mm-hmm. and I around that journey depression and music fell off I couldn't do music no more right. and then in my like 2021 I started again and I try to take it seriously again this time too, and just strictly doing rapping and dropping as many songs as I can. And then that happened. And so here almost 30, it's like, wow, like <laughs> it has always been a part of me. And I've just never, you know, I have never had a chance to actually until now embrace it and actually feel alive with it and stuff like that. Right. Um, what would you say is your favorite genre of music to, right now? right now <laughs> favorite genre of music god that's hard for me um i listen to a lot of afro beats right now um okay. it's the new it's the new thing right now for the states but i've been listening mm-hmm. to it for a while i caught on to it about three was it three like three years ago or two two years and a half so yeah i've been addicted ever since and mm-hmm. i'm so glad that the states is now like bringing in artists like um freaking whiz kid or burner mm. boy um ty savage uh so many great nigerian artists that are now in the states now and it's like the black community is fully accepting it and you know afrobeat has over four languages in the music so wow. we're basically learning new african languages when we listen to this music like it's gonna i'm just so excited about it <laughs> nice. like, I, I i had no idea about that um i i listened i listened to a fair amount of um afrobeats but not a lot like I, i'll be honest i'm not a super huge audiophile like you can look at my playlist like i have a range from like old school hip-hop to Word. some r&b to video game music to music from movies like i have a wide range of like music taste but afro beats is definitely something i've gotten into not even just this well it's 2022 now so i can't even say this year the year just started so 2021 and even some of 2020 where it really started to like really started to come out into the public at least here like you said here in the states yeah, so yeah. i i definitely understand exactly where you're coming from with um with um it being found i don't think too many people have discovered it yet but i think it's slowly working this way it's making the rounds 
Yeah. Easier in a sense, depending on where you go, actually. Right. And what's beautiful is that uh, one song that's getting around that people can listen to, I hear all the time on the radio by Wizkid and Tim's. Um, what is it called? Jesus Christ. It just. <laughs> My head just went blank. I apologize. No, no problem. <laughs> I usually don't do interviews. Usually I'm the guy interviewing. So, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm always the interviewer instead of being interviewed. Essence. Uh, okay. Wizkid Essence. Um, that song is being played on the radio 24 7. And um, he also wrote songs for Drake. Mm-hmm. Um, He's been around in the States putting in his influence before he actually started getting real big in the States. He's already been a legend in, in Nigeria. So it's just, yeah. it's gr- he's a great guy for anybody to just start off if they haven't heard Afrobeats before. Mm. Nice. Um, while we're on the subject, you know, we, I guess we could talk about the music industry as a whole right now. Mm. Um, a lot of thoughts. I- <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's the best way to put it because like I said, I don't I don't follow a lot of mainstream music because honestly speaking, half of it doesn't make sense, half of it is the same thing as somebody <laughs> else is doing, and it's like, why would I listen to this when I could just listen to something a little bit more authentic? And, totally understand. <laughs> and like with you and your band, is like is is that sentiment the same? Like, do you guys feel the same way about like music that's being put out there these days? We're not mainstream fans at all, really. Mm. I think I am the only mainstream fan, really, when it comes to the whole band. Um, we love hip-hop music, like, back in the day rap, but Eric has no hip-hop uh, mm. bone in his body at all whatsoever. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, if you hear this, I'm not saying that in the rude way. He already knows. I'm saying that in, um, like, he's just not into it. You know what I mean? Mm. He's a... Uh, he has a background within like the African diaspora of music okay. with uh, Sun Ra. Um, mm-hmm. He has a background in that. He went to Kenya and studied there. Nice. Um, well, not studied, but like learned from them there uh, on, on music because he did a festival there and stuff like that. He okay. has a more like, a new. Uh, he's, all, he's over 50 years. He's 50 years old. So he had the opportunity to just be able to just see so much right Um, which is what i'm jealous about but it's coming for me i already know um so yeah chris (laughs) loves his favorite artist is jamiroquai and Mm. loves stevie wonder i love stevie wonder too who doesn't love stevie wonder right like um so yeah we don't really have a mainstream ear we look we listen to a lot of um nuance reggae we we give we give our part in in making reggae music and also Mm give our part in uh covering reggae music one of our we always cover either still points or mm-hmm. uh no that's still point still post or um bob marley of course mm-hmm. uh, we've we uh we love jazz we love all kinds of different types of music and so many different types of artists um so yeah i mean mainstream has definitely fallen off um mm-hmm. i feel that they are feeling like they can lead the culture but the culture leads itself in yeah. my opinion <laughs> so it's just becoming cheesy most of the time like my girlfriend when we're in the car listening to a radio something like that i am such a critic on on pop music right now i'm just like bro like just try something different like yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, it's too poppy for me right now <laughs> It, I it, love the new pop song that Elton John made, though. That was fire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, c- certain collaborations, then, like, yeah, I mean, 
especially if the mu music is popping in, that's one thing. But like I, I agree, is like a lot, a lot of the um mainstream music. That's, it, again, like I said, it's, it's all they all sound the same. They're, they're not doing, they're not doing anything innovative to like change the industry up. And it's like you said, the culture is going to move on its own. Like a lot of artists think they can move the culture forward, and to a degree, some of them might help it move in like a like a inch mm -hmm. and, and, and that's being generous but more often than not like it's, it's really the listeners who dictate where the music is going to go you know like yeah. like I remember, I remember when mumble rap became like a big thing and it's just like i i really can't understand what these people are saying but like like some of the beats go hard so I, I'll, I'll say that but other yeah. than that like I, I i got nothing else and um and it's interesting because there's certain things that are people are super critical about, and then certain things that people should be super critical about. Like, I think the music you listen to really, I mean, it says a lot about who you are to a degree. I mean, would right. you, would you, yeah, you know, so it's, um, it's very interesting because, like, I guess the best way to, to describe it would be like an eclectic taste of what kind of music, like, like you said, you know, you guys are into jazz you know, reggae music, like, you know, Afro beats and things like that. And I'm going to assume rock as well. Right. Oh yeah. We have yeah. a few, we have a few hard rock tunes. It's like yeah. a mixture of hard rock tunes that we have. It's, I would say that our sound is kind of like a fusion. Okay. We're, we're not really in a genre per se. We're in uh because one is a hip hop tune and we never mm -hmm. wrote a hip hop song together. And one is like the, the very first hip hop tune. But everything other than that is um just you know swing swing uh jazz swing swing reggae fusion with reggae fusion afro fusion um mm. hard rock fusion into reggae um it's a it's a eric like i said eric is a very he i say this in the in the nice way sick like he's nasty <laughs> with it nice. um, the way that he put these these uh riffs together and to the point that now like when we make songs we jam and mm. our new joints are coming out that are mostly jam songs okay. and that we structured into new songs um like i have a song called no dialogue no solution that would be the next um that'll be the next kind of hip-hop but jazzy swing type of song like it's a mm. jazz hip-hop song and nice. so like yeah we will venture into hip-hop but it won't be mainstream hip-hop it'll be a nuance it'll be nuanced right. Um, there's so many genres of hip hop as well too. Yeah, you know, yeah. A lot of people don't know, but it's is like you said with the trap and stuff like that. Um, mm. you're seeing the commodity where the music is going, and I get that people that are real trap artists, like they feel the pain, they're giving out their pain in that mm. music. I respect that, but you can tell who is just doing it because they heard the sound and now they just want to mimic it, and they're yeah. benefiting off the culture because of that. Um, and well. I wouldn't say that a lot of people do that because Bruno Mars is one of the greatest right now. And people say that he's like a culture vulture. And he's really not like he, man, he's really not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it's interesting when I when I hear people use the term cultural vulture for certain artists. And it's just like, first of all, how much of this artist have you actually heard to make that kind of right. claim? Right. You know, and if, I mean, in 2022, you have to realize that people borrow from. Artists borrow from other artists to one degree or another. 
Always. It may it may not be like a full blown carbon copy of that, but like there is something, whether it's like a certain style, rhyming scheme, or play style, that people just tend to borrow from something else. It's no different than like the entertainment industry as far as like movies and like TV shows and stuff. You know, it's not. I mean, I'm not saying that originality doesn't exist because. You, if you look, if you look deep enough and hard enough, you'll find some originality somewhere. But at the end of the day, borrowing a little bit here and there to create to have it create your own style isn't always such a bad thing. No, and no. and I and I think people need to get out of that stigma thing. In that, if you're copying somebody, even if it's just a little bit, then you you're not being original. Mm. well the thing is also too that is like you don't even notice that you got that from someone that you got that riff from someone that you because of the influence like people that are real scholars in music that try to like do great you could tell it they're scholars you could tell it they're astute because of how long they have how the longevity and the work that they put in and how different their music sound and 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 you could you could borrow until you get to the point that you become the next thing to borrow like michael jackson Um, Uh uh-huh exactly like when he hooked up with quincy it was a rap like (laughs) (laughs) like like, let's let's be real here you know so it's like and i mean and you you, and again you look at artists like michael jackson bruno mars prince um jamiroquai like you know even some of these rock bands like you know rage against the machine or lincoln park I you love know, Rage Against the Machine. Me too. Like it's one of my favorite, one of my favorite um rock bands, and it's like, it's just one of the things where it's like they 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 took inspiration from somewhere. Yep. A, a lot of them did. Like you know, so to say that sometimes barring something doesn't breed originality, that that's not a fair thing to say because it absolutely can, especially if you have. Especially if you have an idea, but you just don't know how to get it started yet. Right. That's why that's why the term inspiration exists because it's giving you inspiration to keep something going forward. That's how that works. Yep. And and I noticed that in the in, in the music industry, it's like it's very people are very quick to use that to say that they're just copying off of somebody else. It's like there's a, there's a little bit more context and nuance to that. Right, right. Right. You know, so and it kind of d- diminishes the opportunity to know the artists as well, right. too, because uh, we're it's just like, oh, they're just like this, uh, which is which is common. And it's 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 part of the, the culture is being a music fan, um, which is something that we all have to we'll check ourselves on 24 exactly. seven, um, especially like I can't think of an artist that I used to hate so much. I can't think of any, And then it just grew on me. <laughs> right oh my god i can't think of this artist's name um but like the reason why they grew is because you could tell that they actually care they actually um put in that time they put in that work and mm-hmm. it's like are you putting in that time are you putting in that work it took years it took struggle for them to even sound like the way they sound yeah it, you, you listen to like you listen to their old stuff you're just like oh they never sounded like this before how did they get there how did they get to that journey right stuff like that that's so that's so that's how, that's literally what happened to me you know like my mm-hmm. earlier stuff it was just kid beats i had mm-hmm. cotton candy because i was rapping as a kid so i had like mm-hmm. i had like a sample of like an ice cream truck once 
um, for a beat and stuff like that. I had like songs I was talking about, like some person I had a crush on or the teacher I had a crush on. I was being a kid. Right. And then I grew up and <laughs> my music started changing. And instead of having love songs, still I started writing more about like realness, like mm-hmm. politics, like all types of stuff. Like, so it just, it's, it changes and support is great for our artists, but we get more hate because we're always put in that category. Like, oh, they're mm-hmm. just like this. And once you were put in that category, mm-hmm. whoo, that's so hard to get out of it. <laughs> Actually, at least me to my next question. I was just going to ask you because you're an activist. Um, am I safe to assume that all, that a lot of your band members, if not the whole band itself, is pretty much person activism themselves? Or no, they're not. Um, so, so, so there's a lot of ways that people can be activists mm-hmm. within their own torpid- interpretation. You know, my. My term of an activist is in the streets 24-7, not trying to be, uh, you know, on TV or anything, like trying to like gloat about what I'm doing or or be narcissistic about it. But some people are. And some people just don't want to be activists. And our band, our band is a uh, is seeing what how we're making changes to our music. Um mm-hmm. And that is what they believe in 24-7, the majority of the time, 24-7, making a change within the music that we create. Right. Um, so I am actually, I was always an activist before I even joined them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have used our band to, um, our band music to go f- to, to raise funds for certain organizations. Um, we are Why Hunger advocates why hunger is a nonprofit that fights to to bring more food to pop to provish people okay, um, so cool. we have a, a lot of uh, dealings with trying to uh, use our music to fight world hunger um, within that as being ambassadors um, what i do is on the other side i run and i co-run a nonprofit um on my own called life my days and i'm also part of a working class party um a national working class party uh, membership called it Party for Socialism and Liberation. So I have my own background of what I do as an activist and these great men that I are proud to have uh, as my colleagues in music, they use their music very greatly to try to send a message and stand for orgs that are actually doing the right thing. So it's, it's, it's beautiful in that way, two different ways. <laughs> nice. I mean, w- would you say that I guess a lot of the, I guess, conflicts, I guess would be a better term that's been going out just just around the whole nation as a whole. Mm. Has that uh, affected any of your um, activism or changed it up or deterred it in any type of way? Oh, yeah. Um, well, you know, pandemic happened. So ended up becoming more of a, instead of an on the street activist, I would say a Zoom activist, getting to Zoom calls, mm-hmm. organizing. Right. Um, I helped out with mutual aid uh, projects and stuff. Um, actually, was I actually ran a mutual aid program until um, I found a better replacement for me that had more access to what okay. the mutual aid program needed. Um, so, yeah, just adjusting. There's always going to be adjusting 24-7 as an activist. Um, Um, One thing that I've learned so much is just like always looking at 
my big deal is looking at what the working class wants. And that's everyone that's red, blue. Um, I hate when they try to say you have two sides when there's people that are anarchists, there's people that are moderate, there's people that are conservative and moderate and conservative are two different things. There's people that have different perspectives. It's not just blue and red, this whole Mm. bourgeois system where they think they are the mouthpiece of the people, Um, but it's everyone. And I try to look at the needs of the working class because we all have one thing we have all have more in common as working class people than we don't have in common we all have the same interests as working class people so i try to stay on that spectrum and um listen to working class people that's my form of activism instead of giving myself loyalty to one side when and all that stuff like that <laughs> yeah I don't, it's hard to explain in the way. I hope I was clear on that. Because some people I mean, be like, oh, he's just a communist. I was just like, okay, say like the bad thing. <laughs> and 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 it's funny, and it's because when I looked at when I look at activism, you know, I mean, along with anything, anything else, when you live here in the States, you know, you, it's always this thing where it's like you gotta be on one side or the other. And it's like that's not the case. It's really not, especially in today's society where we have a lot more people who, especially people who are our age and younger. I mean, I'm in my late thirties, you know, but you see a lot of the people who are our age and younger and their access to all these different pieces of information about like certain legislations, you know, right about Crazy. political parties, things like that, bipartisanship yeah. and all that stuff. And it's like, what's, it's nothing necessarily wrong with like almost being kind of in the middle because it's like you know i remember the joke i remember the joke that chris ross said years ago he said like there's certain things that i'm liberal about certain things i'm more conservative about people don't people seem to not understand it's like i think that's majority of a lot of people like if you if you took a if you if you got rid of this whole two-party system but you'll find that there's a lot more things at least socially and economically that we're we're all pretty much in the middle on there's not really a, like it's like you said you you're, you're for the working class like anyone who is in a working class i think deep down feels the same way as everybody else in the working class you know you, you want a fair wage for the work you do you don't want to work yourself to death right you don't want to be you want to be compensated properly you also want to be able to take care of yourself outside of work you know that means medical benefits health benefits life insurance yeah. you know things like that you know, if you if you're a parent or about to be a parent, you know, maternity leave, paternity leave, you know, being able to take care of your kids, like the, these are all things that we all tend to meet in the middle about. But right. unfortunately, the media that yeah. includes social media tries to propagate this thing, whereas us against them, and that's totally in the house. And I and I, I'm hoping that the sooner people realize how much in the same boat we all are in like it'll be easier to like try to come together and try to fix these things hopefully hopefully yeah (laughs) well you know it's all about education um Mm -hmm. we do a lot of that we try to send out pamphlets and stuff like that on just educating the masses on what it's like to gain power as a worker Mm -hmm. um you don't want to you we are too individualistic um, in the American society. Um, mm-hmm. Capitalism needs division. Capitalism needs class. Yes. Um, yes. So if we all just came together all of a sudden, we're just like, oh, okay, well, 
I understand this Italian family. This is what they want. I understand this Indian family. This is what they need. It's the same as my values. They want their kids to prosper. They want their kids to get better jobs and have benefits. Mm -hmm. Um, I want the same too for my sister, my brother. It's It's all intertwined. Once we see that, when we get an understanding, you know, all this, this racism and stuff can finally get a chance to just tilt. Um, but right. I, it's, it's difficult when you're, when, when the country itself was built on division and these ideals and racism and stuff, that's what makes it. <laughs> yeah. <hard>. yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, we're too and, busy on this to become tribal. We get right. very tribal. <laughs> and, and you, and you hit the term right. Cause it, it's, I think, as much growth as we've had within the past couple of years, so I think the level of tribalism has also increased too, un- unfortunately. You know, the pandemic didn't really help. Yeah. Like, I, I think it definitely divided a lot more people than it brought a lot more people together. And, you know, I mean, one of the things is that at least, at least started opening up discussions about a lot of things about, you know, race and like, the economy and like just interpersonal relationships and stuff right. because up and up until this point you know they're only kind of touched on but now that you know people were sitting at home you know like there is seeing like i mean i mean say what you want but after trump got elected it actually brought out it actually opened up the floor for a lot of discussions on a lot of things you know yeah. again race you know sexual orientation the economy you know the working class the elites as they like to say things like that and um and that's one thing i guess i'm grateful for because those conversations definitely need to be had you know yes they definitely i mean i feel like every black person knew he was going to win though we're used to shit like that yeah (laughs) i mean it it is what it is at this point you know like i mean when it happened i was just like you know something this is par for the course. It it, it, it really is par for the course. Like, you know, like he beat Hillary. I was like, listen, you know, the conditions were right. The, the conditions were right for him to win. It, it is yeah. what it is. You know, like, and then it, when- It reminds me of the SNL. You ever watched the SNL episode that uh, Chris Rock was on the day of that election? And <laughs> it was basically, um, it, it was a skit where they were going to a dinner party just to watch the election. And- um, they had they had uh they had this white woman i can't think of her name uh, but she was like oh my god trump won and he looked at her was like oh yeah i I knew that (laughs) (laughs) got mad he was like no i'm not trying to say i signed what i'm saying is that i already knew he was going to win (laughs) yeah like i i I do remember that skit i remember laughing my ass off at that skit but it was just like he he's not wrong like any 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 person with any lick of common sense knew that's what the outcome was going to be. It just is like I mean I mean yes a lot of people especially a lot of us black people were holding out hope that Hillary was going to take it but at the end of the day, yeah they they were they were they would much rather see someone like him take presidency over a woman. Now whether she's a good woman or a bad woman, you know. Yeah, I have my issues with Hillary, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. So it's it's just like it's just one of those things. It's like, listen, you know, what at this point, what matters is the politics. Like even right yeah. now, looking at like like Biden and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. 
He's interesting. It, 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 that's it. That's the only thing I can say. Like, like I, I, t- I tell people, like, and, you know, I have a lot of people, especially a lot of my friends are like, you know, I don't really want Biden to win. I'm, I'm like, listen, yeah, I'm all about getting a break, okay? Because let's be real, the last four years with Trump as president has been very tumultuous. Yeah, he okay. he he made the presidency look like it was like a, it was embarrassing. Yeah, um, you know, all my issues I have with Biden, and I already made videos about him on certain mm-hmm. things. But my issue with Trump is that he literally. He just made it right in your face. You had no choice but yeah. to listen. And the media definitely did a great job on that. I think the media helped so hard to get him elected because they gave him more time yeah. than they gave Bernie Sanders. And right. they basically gave, that's when I knew he was going to win. When you looked at how much media coverage he mm-hmm. could tweet about eggs and they were just like, Trump says blah, blah, blah about eggs and there's a politician like Bernie Sanders that's doing a rally that's actually talking mm-hmm. about a working class issue and proposing a bill. You get no media coverage on that, mm-hmm. but you get media coverage on Trump and his antics. And yeah. that, that's when I knew I was like, yeah, he got this. In the back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we just knew because not, e- not even just him, but the people that su- supported him. And it was just like, yeah, this is, this is, this is the um, pitfalls of social media. <laughs> and, and, just, and media coverage as a whole, because I, I, I still say this to this day, some people don't deserve the internet. Um, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to be real. Some people just don't deserve the internet, but that's not my place to, I'm not in a position to just take the internet away right. from certain people. Some people don't deserve it. I mean, what do you think about that, by the way? Do you think that there should be a, a, like a, a different platform for people that have outrageous ideals like they shouldn't be all the way banned like what do you think about that <laughs> like I'm, I'm i'm of the mindset of like i don't believe in just simply banning people just because they have a different take than yours right you know like i just i just saw today i don't know if you saw that marjorie taylor green was completely banned off of twitter for, no, i didn't hear about that for yes what? <laughs> um from what i understand like i mean i pretty much knew she's She's a whack job. I, I I knew that. I knew that already. But apparently, I guess a lot of things that she's been talking about, I guess, has been deemed as like false information as as opposed to as, in terms of dealing with like, you know, COVID and things like right. that, which I can understand. Like, you don't want like the last thing anyone needs is to be receiving false information. You know, that's mm. the last thing people need, especially but it's something as serious as this, which is still serious. But censorship is a censorship is a tricky thing because you know and 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 this is the been a debate for like the past year everyone was talking about you know freedom of speech and i was like yes freedom of speech is one thing but freedom of consequences is something else different is something different also because while you can say technically you can say whatever you want that doesn't mean you're you're not absolved of somebody else's reaction to it like right you know, like when people like like you hear people, you know, the ongoing debate about, you know, racial slurs and stuff like that. I'm like, look, honestly speaking, and this is just me personally, <laughs> you can say whatever the hell you want. It only becomes a problem if you decide you want to put your hands on me. That's right. a different story. But for, for all intents and purposes, like if you if you feel happy saying this or whatever, you go right ahead. Other people don't feel that way. 
you might but, get smacked. <laughs> exactly. You you might get popped in the face like that. It, you, you you have to be ready to take that L. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that's the way I say it. You got to be ready to take that L. Like you know. So it's like when I like when I see you know all these people that like you know everyone's losing their minds over you know not only just COVID but like things especially in terms of like dealing with like relationships and like the I guess the best way to really describe it is like the uh, areas where men and women are supposed to exist. Um, you know, I've been on YouTube for like, I've been on YouTube since like 2015. And one thing I can definitely say is like, if the pandemic didn't do anything, it definitely gave rise to the red pill community. And I don't know how familiar you are with the red pill community, but the amount of people coming out as relationship experts, experts yeah. on, you know, how men are supposed to move, how women are supposed to move. And it's like, none of you guys have real, any idea what you're talking about. No, they don't. I should write a song about that. <laughs> you know, oh, really? That irks me too. <laughs> and you know, um, can you uh, turn that light on for me, Bay? The, the top light? Sorry, it's getting yeah. dark. You know, I'm no problem, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what time is it? It's only a quarter to five and it's already getting dark. So, yeah. No, right. <laughs> nature's been pretty screwed up too, but we're not going to talk about that one just yet. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I've, I've watched a, a great deal of content over the past year or so about, you know, people trying to, people trying to, dictate what masculinity and what femininity is supposed to be and yeah. i've sitting here and said to myself like there's a lot of things being traditional that really are rooted in negativity yeah. honestly speaking you know like i remember when the term toxic masculinity was a big was a big thing and over time you got to realize if you're any good natured or just regular human being, especially if you're deemed a male, is like you gotta understand like there is the the toxicity that comes from toxic masculinity is derived from things that were established back in the day that didn't really make that didn't really make sense. It made sense for them at the time, but it doesn't make sense to have to be this way now. I absolutely love the way that you're saying this. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, I, I just look at it and um and 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 this year I came to the realization of a lot of things. Um I'm also on TikTok also, so you see a whole bunch of trends that flow up on TikTok. Um mm. there's one I came across recently that I thought that was very interesting, and it was um it was basically someone asking. What is something that black people, especially older black people that aren't ready to hear? And needless to say, I, I heard a lot of interesting things. Like, you know, there's, there's of course just a general, you know, how when growing up, black boys were almost coddled to the point where they couldn't do nothing as they got older, but black, black girls were basically forced to grow up. And, you know, just listening to all these things about like, you know, older older parents hiding histories of like you know sexual assault or you know pedophiles yeah. in the fa in, in the family 
in the fit. Like, you know, the fact that, you know, beating your kids isn't necessarily a thing. Well, let me just come out and say that beating your kids isn't a good thing. That's actually something that's derived from, you know, slave mentality. And, right. and, it, and it had me think about a lot of things that I came, that I came up looking at and realizing, because basically what I tell people is this. As I've gotten older and I've watched a lot of the older people around me, essentially what they taught me was what not to do. <laughs> if, if, if I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm not saying that like the older examples that I have are necessarily bad people because they're not. They're just products of their time and products of their environment. You know, yep, I agree. I mean, we live in a time where, you know, it's okay for us to let our young boys know that it's okay to show their emotions. It's okay right. Right. to like, you know, it's okay to be upset. You know, what's important is how do you recover from that? It's not, it's not, it's just the thing of like, you know, boys shouldn't cry is like, why not? Right. Like if, if boys are capable of crying, why should they not cry? They should be educated on how to regulate their emotions, not to suppress them. Like looking at these young girls who've had to grow up so fast, you know, being stuck, you know, babysitting their younger siblings when that's technically not their job. Right. You know, their job, right. your job as a kid is to that to be to be just that, to be a kid. And you know, you know, looking at the rise of you know, people, you know, feeling differently about who they are, you know, wanting to transition, whether they want to go from boy to a girl or to a girl to a boy you know these many introductions of all these different pronouns and stuff and i just said listen at the end of the day a person only wants to be happy and it's not anyone's job to stop them from being happy in who they are and right. and you know like and it's like you know i look at people who like you know who are just like who are heterosexual who are homosexual you said you're pansexual you know bisexual all that stuff at the end of the day if you find some if you we, we live in a world where people are still putting up a false face in in the real in in public and right. unfortunately that's a social media issue because social media has allowed us to kind of create different personas of ourselves but when you can find someone who genuinely likes you for you, you right. know, you gotta do you gotta do what you can to try to keep that cultivated because it's so few and far between that you can find someone who is completely upfront with themselves and with you that you genuinely like. Because honestly speaking, there's a lot of people that I don't really like. <laughs> if I'm gonna be real. I mean, there's a lot of people that I can do without, but there's a few people that you know I can go with. And like, and I look at people our age that are still just like feel threatened by that stuff. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm like, and like when I see people I know be so threatened by, you know, guys who are gay, and I'm like, um, I'm I'm pretty sure they're not trying to fuck you, so I'm pretty sure you're okay. <laughs> I don't I don't really know I don't know why you feel the need to be so threatened or the, why you feel the need to make those jokes. Like I, I mean, as far especially when it terms, comes to terms of like jokes, like when it comes to certain jokes, like listen, if it's funny, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. All right, but 
if you're just saying things just to be hurtful and you think it's funny, then you're obviously an asshole. It's as right. simple as that. Like, you know, right. like I've had a good amount of like, you know, friends who are on different, you know, I guess orientation, I guess on scales. Is, is that, is that mm-hmm. correct? You know, and it's like, listen, well, yeah, you know, as long as, yeah, yeah. There we go. That's what I was with spectrum. So it's just like, listen, I'm cool with you as long as you know you're cool with me. As long as you're, as long as you're not an asshole. As long as you're not racist. As long as you're not, you're not a jerk. Then you know we can vibe. You know, it's as simple as that. Right. But you know, is it really is that simple? Um, I think again with society, we have a patriarchal um, essence within our culture, um, and to challenge the standard of patriarchal essence is what makes uh, automatically people feel threatened because they only see things one way. Um, Especially within our black community, we do it because that's how we were Mm -hmm. like told to do. Um, We had to do it this way because that's the way society sees it as, as, as this country was created. So we took that over and made it to our hearts, which is why we're so homophobic and so transphobic, um, but I love how the conversations that's happening around music as well too. Where you got Lil Nas X, um, just doing whatever the fuck he wants to do and pissing everybody off, mm-hmm. and he can piss off. That is that is what makes me give hope for our beautiful culture because mm-hmm. if it lets you know that look, like I've heard, pretty sure you heard this before, just off of like you just having your personality. Like I've been told I wasn't black just because. I wasn't straight. I've been told I wasn't black because I dated a white woman or I was or I or I was told I wasn't black because I liked a certain genre of music. You know, that type of mindset gatekeeping. Um, it's time for people as our community to get that look, everybody is still black, no matter what. If they're a metalhead, look, we gave them that genre that started from blues, metal rock. Exactly. From the branch of blues, that's black. That's our mm-hmm. culture. So, <laughs> like for real, trial is predominantly white right now. Does not mean that that origins is still not ours. Mm-hmm. Right? Our culture that has been portrayed through them now, they have that now too. So we shared it. We gave them that. We right. gave them something special, you know, that they could go around and headbang and do all that shit that they do, which I enjoy yep. as well too. But uh-huh. that's why I get called I'm not black. <laughs> And, it, yeah. and, it, and it's and it's funny because like I remember hearing that term a few times growing up, like uh like especially mainly in middle school, oh you're not black, like you're white too because you like this and this. I'm like, yeah, this, this stuff isn't exclusive to just one to one ethnicity. You you, you do realize yeah. that. But again, unfortunately, it's a product of our upbringing because that's what the older generation generation of black people knew. That's all they knew, you know. And I think the one thing that I guess still kind of irks me is the fact that we have access to all this information. A lot. You know, like, a a, lot. A, like more than we can probably handle, but we have access to it. But they're so headstrong in their beliefs that they don't, they're not willing to open themselves up to this new piece of information. And it's like, you know, I've had friends who like, you know, we're into goth, we're into rock, you know, we're into like, you know, alternative stuff. You know, I've dated, you know, white girls here and there when I was in high school, 
I I have a different um I have a different taste in music than most other people. I'm like I'm not constantly listening to rap. It's like you do realize that like there's more to life than just this thing that you're stigmatizing yourself into. It's um you know so it is it, like I said I'm, I just learned what not to do from the older black generation. I mean, that, <laughs> that, that's that's pretty much what I come down to. Like and and this is no disrespect to them. Because well, like, they murdered know, our leaders around their around their time, you know. And that's and that's the government went hard at our leaders, which mm-hmm. made us get even more colonized because our leaders yeah. were gone. You know, they killed yeah. Malcolm, they mm-hmm. killed Martin, they Fred Hampton. That was crazy mm-hmm. how they murdered yeah. him. Like, right? We had a chance to grow as mm-hmm. a society, and they were like, "Oh shit, these guys are actually like." teaching them and, and helping mm-hmm. them out and we gotta get rid of them <laughs> yeah really now do you think we'll ever have a resurgence of black leaders at any point oh yes um mm-hmm. it's slowly happening right now um yeah. you know especially within the especially within um I would say here, like in New Haven, we have there's a lot of black women, queer black women as well, too, that are leading the charge in so many movements, so many grassroots movements. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I am so honored to call them my colleagues. Um, but I definitely think it is, but to be like that high profile, like MLK, MLK I'm pretty sure one day soon. Um, mm-hmm. There hasn't been anyone that has made that impact yet, but yeah. it's just been, you know, we have Black Lives Matter and stuff, but mm-hmm. what I'm saying is that, like, some impactful leaders like that, those are the old school guys, you know? Mm-hmm. You got Fred Hampton's son still doing what he can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I follow him on Instagram. He got this, mm-hmm. he has this slogan called Feed Them All, Free Them All. The man is a great fucking guy. He, mm-hmm. He's a great leader. Um, I'm pretty sure we can, we can do it. I think social media has harmed it um with uh-huh. us being so strong and cohesive because of just there's so much you can read from so much information that makes us get mm-hmm. overwhelmed and we don't know we end up leading ourselves astray with what we're yep. hearing um there's just a lot of education and nuance that needs to happen what's beautiful yes. is that we're welcoming our african brothers and sisters from the 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 african the motherland itself mm-hmm. the music we have black panther yeah people don't understand how big the movie black panther was that literally made us feel connected that was yeah that was a big deal yeah that was a very big deal because right after that you started seeing a lot of african influences just mm-hmm. come into play into the states making money in the states um yeah. calling for us to go home 50 for over fifty thousand african-americans migrate to ghana yes. almost every year mm-hmm. so it's telling you that there is a change coming and our leaders we don't have those leaders like mlk or or uh, malcolm x yet but i'm pretty sure someone's gonna just come in and try to take this mantle because it's showing the tension yeah. you're seeing it i mean you i mean they could talk about the riots and stuff like that too and just say we're only destroying our neighborhoods but people know the truth of what's really yeah. going on yeah <laughs> exactly and it's like you know I, and i remember when I, at the height of all the riots over the past like year or two and you know everyone's always talking about like oh they're destroying the neighborhood they're destroying their the community i was like listen it didn't have to come to that. No, it didn't. If justice, if justice was served the way it's supposed to be served, this right. wouldn't be an issue. 
Exactly. Like, I believe, I believe what what MLK said himself, like, you know, like protest is like is like a movement that's like expressed from the unheard. When people don't feel yep. heard, they lash out violently. It's like a kid. Yep. It's but like they a, martyr him, but forget that part. Exactly. They martyr the point. Him, but forget that part. Exactly <laughs> the point. That he and, was and, about this. <laughs> and, 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 and and that's the other thing which I think is very killer, also, because they want to cherry pick. Some of the th- oh, some of the things that he said is like, oh, we're supposed to be bringing us together. Like, like no, like let's let's be real. He knew exactly what was up. Right. He he knew exactly what time it was, and that's why you guys took him out because he yeah. knew what time it was. Yeah. So it's 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 interesting, but I, I I'm with you also. I think it's gonna take some time, but I definitely think you know a lot of black leaders are gonna rise up, and and what I'm really excited about is to see that is like going to be a lot of like you know people who i guess live alternative lifestyles i don't even know why that's still a thing because <laughs> like seriously like if i if i can watch anime if i can like rock music then yeah. it's not it's not alternative okay it's just yeah. it's just shit i like okay yeah. well let me say this to people that don't know that's listening there, when you look into black struggle a lot of activists in the past, even going back to slavery days, were queer. Mm-hmm. But James Baldwin was a gay man. Malcolm X himself was bisexual as well, mm-hmm. too, before he got married. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the look at the look at the trans movement. It yeah. was Marsha P. Johnson. Those were all mm-hmm. um, Sylvia Rivera, who was a Puerto Rican. Uh, those are all queer trans black people that led for freedom that fought for freedom that gave their lives for freedom Mm -hmm. um so to say that lgbt black lgbtq people do not fight for their own community is an absolutely lie um black lives matter is all marxist black women and lesbian women uh, mm-hmm. I believe majority of them, the original yeah. founders are lesbian, yeah, actually. exactly, yeah. So to say that Black LGBTQ people do not care for their community is, is not true. We fight not only racism, we fight homophobia, we fight transphobia mm-hmm. 24-7. <laughs> really? And the, the unfortunate thing is a lot of stuff gets sidetracked by, you know, and I hate to say this, by some of our Caucasian counterparts. <laughs> and you know some of the older black generation unfortunately right. you know so but no I'm, I'm with you on the idea that i think at some point a lot of people are going to take up you know the mantles of being the new black leaders and stuff and before you guys watch it say anything like yes of course we could do it we mm-hmm. definitely could but it's going to take a lot more than just a handful of people to do it like, and it's more it's, than just hashtags Exactly. Like, like it gets on my nerves with that. I don't even, I don't even try to use those hashtags anymore. The only hashtag I use is BLM, but that's it. But right. I don't really try to use those hashtags anymore because it's like another person became a hashtag. Yeah. And then you start to think like, well, I'll be the next hashtag. Mm-hmm. And that just, <laughs> that literally freaks me out. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 hashtag. <laughs> and justifiably so because it's like, for for a good period of time it was just like one after another after another and it's just like and that's where the civil unrest comes from because like how many more does it have to be right before you guys realize that this is a serious problem and the thing is that they know it's a serious problem they just want to do anything about that that's when you got people like candace owens or what Uh, 
I feel so bad for her. Like she's getting checks. That's why she feels that way. Candace Owens is only Candace Owens because she's getting checks. <laughs> I, keep, I keep, I literally keep telling people that, and I don't usually like to talk about her. I rarely talk about her. Right. But every time she pops up, like either on social media or on TV, it's just like, what the hell did she say now? <laughs> like, it's like, what, what the hell did she say now? Because it's like, I know the latest thing was like, she, I guess she kind of, retread or backed up some of the things she said about Trump because I guess Trump, yeah, Trump, you know, got vaccinated like a, any responsible person would do in this instance. And, you know, she felt some type of way about, I'm like, well, didn't he mention as part of she, this is why I get confused where, because as part of his campaign before, after he lost, he said that he was going to bring the vaccines now, not going to bring them later. We're going to bring in the vaccines now. I believe he talked about that for like four months straight. So how did she (laughs) miss that he was pro-vaccine? Like, I don't don't get that. (laughs) This is why I keep keep trying to figure out how she's still so popular. I've been like really trying to figure out like how do do people still back her up? I I don't understand. And it's like... And, and, and people like, in our community too still listen to her. They still look at her, and she doesn't know what she's talking about. Um, I, she, I I I tell people, you know, because like even after even after Trump got elected, like the amount of people who came out as conservative, who came out as black conservative, was amazing to me. And there's nothing wrong with being a conservative. No, I'm not, nothing that, wrong. I'm, that's yeah. not the thing that's tripping me out. Is the fact that you guys are fully going behind Trump. I'm like, we have other Republican presidents before him. Where were y'all at? Yeah. Like, like that's what I'm like. Well, I'm like, where were you guys at when like freaking George W. Bush was out here? Like, <laughs> like, like, where, like where, 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 where was y'all? Like, you know, I looked at like a couple, like, you know, Candace Owens. Um, I think his name, I'm forgetting it. Um, Larry, Anthony, um, Candace Owens, Larry Elder. Um, the Hodge twins, who became the conservative twins, yeah, like, that, I was, think that, that was that one for me. That one tripped me the fuck out. I love the Hodge twins, but now I just can't. I can't. They just straight up became like conservative, hard Trump loving. I'm like, bro, like what I was, happened? <laughs> I, I was like, like I remember. I remember the day I I turned into a video of theirs, and I'm like, right. I see, I see an American flag in the back. I see a 1776 flag in the back. I'm like, what the, what the <laughs> fuck is going on here? And then I looked at their YouTube channel and they said they're conservative. Since I was like, they just flipped. Damn it! They were like, just comedians. They I'm just like, flipped. you you guys were comedians talking about gains and yeah. sugar walls. And sugar now walls. That and was the, classic the, shit. And now y'all talking about <laughs> conservative. I'm like. And that's and that's when I knew like this is nothing about get this is nothing but getting paid. That's yeah. that's that's all this is. Like any person who I saw who became like not even just a like a conservative, but like a super supporter of Donald Trump. I'm like, you you have to be getting paid for this. There's no other yeah. way. And it, and it goes the same thing with someone like Candace Owens. I'm like, you were like, you were like the top of the list as far as like black conservatives is concerned. Yeah. You were like at well, the top. Jesse Peterson too. Him, Je- yep, Jesse. He yeah, he actually has a following. 
like a strong following. <laughs> and it's like everybody says beta because of him. Yes. <laughs> beta. And I'm like, like he was another one. Um, there's another um, there's another YouTuber. I'm forgetting the guy's name. He was an older black guy. I'm forgetting his goddamn name. Um uh, a couple other people. Um, there was a there was a guy who I used to follow called Young Pharaoh. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Um, no, I, but, I don't think I do. Um, Young Pharaoh. Um, for 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 a while now, he he was like always very he was critical of the government in in general, like both Republican and Democrat. He was like super you know critical of both of them. But like after a while, he just really started like jumping behind Trump. I'm like. You you know he you know he's a he's a politician now right like you yeah. you're, you're supposed to be against him but like you know he, you, you're talking about he's supposed to be draining the swamp like once you become once you get wrapped into politics you're a part of the swamp it's as simple it's yeah. as simple as that yeah like and you know like but um which is why I would never run for anything and people like, ask me all the time like no <laughs> like I couldn't do it like because if someone like Bernie Sanders you're right. Can't even get 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 the, get in the office two times. Then what's what hope does somebody else have? Like, and he's probably the most, if not the most legit politician out there. And yeah, like, basically. Yeah, in America. Yeah, definitely. And it's unfortunate. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. He is uh, the most popular. He's the most popular Democratic uh, figure besides Ocasio Cortez. I believe yeah. Ocasio Cortez is now getting more more clout than he is right now but he is still the most popular yeah. democratic uh politician yeah and the only downside to that is like his age that's the only downside but right. other than that you know like well, how does said, he do it and, and that's the other thing too is just like how, do, so you, how do you keep <laughs> how do you keep fighting bro like that to have that amount i can only hope i have that amount of fight when i'm his age right. because he is he he goes hard no matter what it's like, I don't know, I'm hoping there's some way, like, even if Cortez decides to run, if if she ever decides to run from, from office. I believe she will, actually. Um, I think she's going to run around the time she turns 35. That's just my theory. Yeah. Um, there's also another candidate that's a, a great, that's not in anything. Um, Gloria Rivera. Gloria Rivera. She is one of the heads of the the working class party that I'm in, and she ran. Uh, she runs just to give education mostly because she already knows she's not going to win because of the two party system. Yeah. She runs just to unify the working class twenty four seven, and she has a lot of ties um, with working parties all over uh, working communities. She travels this, the country. She goes to Cuba. She goes everywhere. She just travels everywhere and just spreads the message of working solidarity because, you know, no matter what border you're on, even you're in Haiti, you have more in common with me as a poor person than, exactly. than a rich person in, right. in, in Haiti or a rich person in America, something like exactly. that. Like mm -hmm. you have more in common no matter what border you're on, even if yeah. you speak a different language. So exactly. Gloria Rivera is the shit to me like she sets the standard of how these politicians could be and mm -hmm. what they should do um and especially in a time where it's more lax we don't have mccarthyism yeah. right yeah. now i mean well the new mccarthyism is is uh, uh trying to fight against china right now that's the new mccarthyism because mm -hmm. russia was was the old billy so now the yeah. new bully is china yeah but I, 
besides being focused on what those foreign countries are doing, China's not not making me pay the IRS every single month. China's right. not threatening my health care because y'all y'all are threatening my health care. Your yeah, policies exactly. are threatening my health care. China's not, not making me poor. You are allowing these people to exploit me. You are mm-hmm. against the new it's you that are against union bust that are is pro union busting. It's not China. It it's the American government that oppresses the American people. Yeah. Um, we stopped talking about the border mm-hmm. when Biden got elected because they got air conditioning. They, right. I guess they have air conditioning under Trump, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> now they got air conditioning, everything's cool. <laughs> They breezy over there now. They still uh, suffer, but they breezy. <laughs> oh man! But it's really like that. Though. And they think they got they got some kind of perk, but like that's what it is, man. It's yeah. I, I, I don't know, man. Like I definitely feel like change is definitely on the horizon. You know, yeah. COVID not with withstanding, but I think. Especially, for, especially for a lot of like you know black communities and stuff. I think if we continue to start breaking these generational curses, like we will thrive so so hard. It's not even funny, mm. like because um, like because that's what that's, that's essentially what it was was. It's like a lot of black generational curses that were adopted from years and years and years ago, and it's like you know people like especially our generation is starting to realize now like no this is not how things are supposed to go these things these this doesn't make any sense and we have to start changing these things right now otherwise it's it's just going to get crazy it's going to get it's it's nothing's going to change rather nothing's going to change how much time do you have left actually um i mean i got a little bit of time left okay because i wanted to tell you something i heard about i wanted to hear your perspective on this especially it's about the black community Mm-hmm. My grandfather, uh, he used to own a chain of businesses, and now he's now he just owns a uh, landscaping company uh, right now. He's seventy mm-hmm. years old; just turned seventy uh, last year. Um, um, he uh, is part of the generation, you know, that we literally just came. I, I believe his grandfather, if not his, if it was his grandfather, it was his great grandfather that was a slave. So I'm trying to, I got to look back into the history. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when when segregation happened, when Jim Crow happened, um, we had built so many businesses, communities within our community. You know, we had Black Wall Street, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the highlighted one, but people got to understand that there wasn't just one Black Wall Street. There was multiple. Central yeah. Park was a Black Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Central Park was a thriving Black community that had... Um, Yes, people lived in Central Park. It was a black town. Central mm. Park was a black town. <laughs> if anyone don't believe me, you can literally look this up. And we they had a small population of Irish migrants and stuff like mm. that. Um, some people, my grandfather age, have told me that they kind of they they wish that segregation wasn't taken all the way because it gave them independence now they're just migrated and they lost their not migrated but they're like included into the full uh economy and they lost their businesses but before when it was segregated they were able to establish their businesses easier have you heard of that before like some people actually just felt like that they just 
did too much with fixing segregation. They should have just said outlaw racism and just kept everything segregated. Like a lot. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's an interesting perspective. <laughs> I mean, I, I've heard a lot of people's perspective on this. And, you know, I've, I've thought about it here and there too, because it's like, you know, we live in a place which is essentially a melting pot. It's a melting right. pot of a whole bunch of different cultures and stuff. Right. Now, people can sit here and argue all the live on day about who got it the worst, whether it's the natives that lived here on this land before Europe even came over here, or, you know, the African-Americans that were, you know, stolen from, you know, Africa and brought over here. Right. You know, and I've heard, I've heard a lot of people make the argument that segregation should have been, still should have been like the wave and stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm of the mindset, like, if there's a solid plan to make sure nothing, I guess, or whatever happened to Black through Wall Street, it doesn't happen again. Right. If there's a, if there was a surefire way to secure that in place, I don't think I. But I guess basically the best way to say is like there has to be a choice. Mm. Like you know, it has to be a choice. You know, you can either live segregated within your own community they have their own community or, you know, whether they do something where it's like they create some kind of, they create some kind of area where people who want to congregate with each other can do that as well. Mm. Um, see, it, it's very. Well, it's which very, by the way, I don't agree with segregation at all. So, you know, I'm, I'm more of a socialist. So I believe in like diversity and building a working power and stuff like that but i was i wanted to bring that up but it's not that i believe in it but because <laughs> because my thing is like this like you know and you you both you and i grew up around diversity we grew up with whole around a whole bunch of different cultures and a ethnicities lot, yep. and so, a, a lot of them you know i would definitely venture to say that our generation is the one that's able to handle it the best out of previous generations mm. if i'm going to be honest I guess, and I, and, I, and I can see where a lot of people are coming from as far as like segregation should have been like the wave to follow, especially mm -hmm. for, you know, the black community. But I look at it like this, like nobody gets somewhere without, you know, another hand. So right. like, like, I, like I said, I'm in, I'm in the same boat. I don't necessarily believe in segregation completely. Right. I don't like I think people should be given a choice. Maybe I guess I guess that's the best way to put it. But it's one of the things where you got to look at. Where it's like, you know, if is everybody going to benefit without someone having to be destroyed? Right. And that's what it is. Because like, listen, the reason why all the Black Wall Streets were destroyed is because those people were jealous. And that's what it was. They they didn't want yeah. us to have anything. They they were yeah. jealous. They was like, and, how in the hell they come from slaves and they built such a great, I mean, the, the dollar itself went around six times, I believe, yeah. in Tulsa before mm -hmm. it left the black community. So that exactly. same one dollar went around six times in that community before it left. Like that was, that was great. You know, exactly. Like, of course, yeah. they'll be jealous because yes. what else they got? What else they got outside of that? I mean, and depression. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then, and then that's the thing because like, yes, there's general hatred, but what I've come to realize over there is like a lot of a lot of the hatred just stems from a from, from a jealousy standpoint. 
Like, I mean, if you're the type of person that can like just hates someone of a different skin color just for the fact that, like, if you can't find a logical reason to hate someone, then your hate is unjustified. Right. Like that. That's the way I look at it. Your hate's unjustified. Like it. It. It takes a lot for you to hate someone. So it's just like you. I mean, you look at it as like you brought our people over here to right. do to do your to do your dirty work essentially to do your dirty work and then you had to let us go and because we learned essentially so much from doing your work we were able to create our own but you didn't like that in fact you <laughs> hated that so you destroyed that so then yeah. it, be, it becomes emotional like and, it's, and especially now because a lot of that, I mean, and true, true, like hatred is, I guess, or or prejudice rather. Prejudice is essentially taught. No one's yes. born prejudice. No one is born yes. prejudice. No child but, is born prejudice. Like at the all. Pu- like the purest forms on this planet are children. Yeah, it, 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 it's as simple as that. The purest forms of humans are children. Right. They is is when they get older and they start to learn these things and they either choose to adopt it into their personality or they don't. But I guess the plus side is a lot of like, or at least I would hope a lot of those old school ideas of thinking are starting to die out. You know, I give credit to where credit is is because there is a lot of older generations starting to realize that the shit that they did, the shit that they thought they knew, they thought they knew growing up is absolutely wrong. And it's because our generation and younger have come to the realization that I don't necessarily have to put up with this. I can leave. I can leave. I can fucking leave, right? (laughs) I I, I can go. I can go live my life somewhere else. And um, someone said it best that I was watching the other day. And he said, like, your family is who you make of it. Yep. Honestly speaking, your family is who you make of it. Like, you know. Yep. That's what I have here in New Haven. All selective family. Yes. And then it's like. And then it's like, you know again our generation is starting to realize that like a lot of things that we were told to like or that we were ordered to put up with as kids we don't have to put up with as adults you know getting beaten you know sexually assaulted or verbally assaulted you know abandoned things like that you know all the things that are negative that have happened to us we've gotten older and we realize that we don't have to go through those things anymore you know the amount of people that are in our generation that are not even not even just our generation, but even a little bit older are, you know, going to therapy, realizing that like mental health is just something you just can't write, write off or you just can't pray right. away. No, no you, can't. you gotta can't pray that way. You gotta go get professional help. If that well, only- they try to get us to pray the gay away, you know, that that's one thing I had to deal with. <laughs> pray the gay away. <laughs> so what was that like for you? <laughs> like, like, what were you, what was your experience so far when you came? Like, when did you come out as pansexual, and what was that? What was that remainder of your journey like? Oh, oh man, my bad. <laughs> 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 oh shit! Okay, great question. So, I mean, it was just uh, I, it was identity crisis. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Accepting and not accepting how people think I should be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like it was, it was more of a just identifying and embracing and loving and stuff like that. Um, 
that's what it was more about because it was just a lot of self-hatred because i valued the opinions of others about my life right um which you know for me i feel like it was easier for me because i left my parents house i got out of my parents house because of that certain reason and i have what i have now and i still love my parents right so i don't want anybody to think like oh well it seems like he just always talk about his parents people that listen to me i still mm. love my parents you know i i had to learn that certain issues sometimes you gotta love your family from a distance you know i call them mm-hmm. i talk to them you know all that stuff i want to visit them i wish i had time to visit my grandfather more mm-hmm. especially um and had a chance to visit my grandfather more because i didn't have because i still have a chance to see him right. my, my grandma my mom's side she's gone god rest her soul i never had a chance to see mm-hmm. her again after she practically raised me mm-hmm. um after i moved out my parents house so I want to see my grandfather again, but other than that, it was just, you know, it's just, I have to understand that certain things like this, some people have different methods, yeah. but certain things I just don't talk about with them and they see how I am on social media because they have my social media. Mm-hmm. So they know that I'm openly, I'm openly pansexual. Right. Um, they they know that I dated so many different types of people and they probably now want to talk to me now because my current girlfriend is you know she's oh she's a girl so right? <laughs> you're like oh thank god probably in a way but right. still i am who i am i am still pansexual even if i'm dating mm. someone that is a, a woman um right. so it, it's just all about just accepting and loving yourself which is so hard and i get why a lot of people go through a lot of depression and become suicidal because it's very difficult especially if you feel trapped and right I felt trapped at my parents' house, so I had mm-hmm. to get out. And it probably would have been worse if I. And sorry, mom, if you ever hear this, but it probably would have been worse if I stayed while staying in the closet. I probably would have lost my shit. You know, mm-hmm. I had to leave. It was one of those things that I had to do for myself. Um, and I. That's why I envy these kids right now that are coming out at mm-hmm. seven, ten, and people don't. People still think that like lgbtq kids don't exist they exist i was an lgbtq uh, lgbtq kid i just was not saying it not because i i had a perspective earlier on that that shit was not allowed um my dad was my dad was an assistant pastor he was a minister he was a deacon he always Mm -hmm. had some type of title in church and 24 7 even at even at six years old when you hear the word faggot from somebody that's a straight person and then you learn who they think is a faggot what a faggot is you're automatically going to be like oh shit uh mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that's why i commend these kids that are coming out and i think more kids that are that that feel this way they should be encouraged to come out so parents don't think that kids don't think about this they do and i have spoken to teenagers that that came out and i'm like bro you already out you're 14 years old you're 12 years old when did you know i was four when i knew i was three when i knew you know there's a a history uh, there's a tribe called the Igbo tribe that is still established in africa i believe it's the northern part of africa um so that means probably kenya morocco i can't i don't remember which uh which country in africa they they are settled in right now um I say settled because you don't know if that that that's their actual indigenous region since right. the colonialism they have all been displaced in certain areas, um, but they celebrate um, identity. They celebrate 
by giving a gender role to the child. They don't have gender roles at birth. They establish the gender role after they get to know the child. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a whole ceremony. There's a yes. lot of different ways they do this. Colonialism and patriarchy just took that yeah. knowledge away from us. We don't get that. Um, that's why our science is based off of that. Our science doesn't have to be based on that. It's based off of that because it chooses to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just went on the whole thing, but I'm just trying to get people to understand, like, yo, man, like, that is what fucked me. Uh, <laughs> and now I am glad that I am not, uh, I could be who I am. I mean, yes, you can hear people 24-7. There's, there's a lot of homophobia I deal with. Even some people don't even notice that they're being homophobic. Some people don't even notice they're being racist when they're being racist. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because for them, it's just so normal for them. That's it's just... normal, yeah. They don't get that the remarks they make is racist. Yeah. You know? Like, I, I noticed that a lot with learning about my indigenous side because my grandmother was half indigenous. Um, mm-hmm. So is we don't even notice half of the Native American racism that is embedded into our community that we say yeah. a lot, you know? Like, yeah. We don't even notice that it's racist until you meet somebody that's Native and then you say it in front of them and you're like, oh, shit, bro, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it's just a lot of learning. And I think that, I think, I don't know if the church is ever going to accept um, being gay openly, but I'll tell you one thing, there's a lot of people in the church that are gay. <laughs> <laughs> that. well, 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 that's, well that's the that's the other thing too because you what we still we still have in this day and age we still have people who are condemning you know i guess gender fluidity and like open sexuality but are closeted themselves which is right. which is interesting not even not even just in the church but like even in families and stuff right and and i guess that can also be attributed to, you know, slavery, possibly, because there's a whole know. thing about that. They used it, they used it to keep us in bondage. They yes. used slavery, they used homophobia and they used uh gay acts to keep us mm-hmm. in bondage, which is why the Caribbean hates hom- yeah. uh, uh they hate sexuality, they hate sexuality like that because yeah. it was used to tame them. Yeah. Um, they have and that sucks it's hard to get it's hard to be nuanced when you know that like that's just colonialization so yeah. hard like like uh, <laughs> it's so ugly like, in that way but that's like, what they're thinking about but that's not what we are you know what I mean? yeah <laughs> like like ju- just so people who are listening and watching are understanding like what he's talking about you've probably heard this before is it's called butt breaking Yes, that was that, that was time. that was the maneuver that slave owners used to keep slaves in line. And basically, what they did, they would sexually assault the male slave into the and in front of everybody else, in right. front of all the slaves also. So the slaves knew that this was the guy in charge. And come to find out later on that, like you know, the whole sagging thing, a lot of people think that started in jail. It didn't. No. No, it started. It started on a slave. It started on a slave plantation, yep. and it was, and it was done to young boys, young slave boys, to let the slave masters know which kids were available for assault. So basically, a lot of the evil shit that you think of right now, you know, like, you know <laughs> yep. rape, 
you know, rape, sexual assault, you know, child, you know, child molestation, child, you know, like, you know, rape, just, yeah, just rape, sexual assault, you know, mutilation, all this stuff. All that shit came from slavery. Yep. All, and that still uses slavery today, you know? Exactly. Kids being exploited, uh, slave trade, all that stuff. Kids being uh, kidnapped. Sex, yeah, kidnapped, sex trafficking, used for, again, used for sex trafficking, used for like, or used for that organs to be, you know, taken and stuff yeah. like these, the amount of, the amount of postings you see about kids, not even just kids, but women disappearing well, and yep. just people in general, that's, that's what happened. Yep. Like, yep. and I'll agree that people say like slavery didn't die. It just transformed into something different. Yeah. It just got broken up, you know, yep. so. Like as far as the workforce is concerned, it's it's that's a new slave. <laughs> yes. yes, workforce. Yep, that's a new slave. That, yeah. I always make jokes about my job. Like, up, oh, about to go to the plantation. <laughs> yeah. So, like, when people make those jokes, then they're, they're not lying because <laughs> depending on what kind of job you have, it's literal slavery. You're they're you're work they're working you to the bone for little to nothing. Like, and the cost of living keeps going up. It keeps yeah. going up, but the wages are taking like forever to climb up to meet that demand. And it's just like, and, and this is why I applaud our, this generation now because they realize like they don't have to be subjected to that kind of living. They don't have to be subjected to working for the man, as they say. They can be yeah. their own man. They can start their own thing. You know, so for all the people that complain about people that are on social media, that are on like TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and stuff. I'm like, my thing is, listen, if they're getting paid money for that, and if they're not being exploited, go right ahead. It's an escape. Seriously, go escape. go right ahead and do it. And I can, I hope you can keep doing it for as long as you can. Right. At this point, you know. Right. So, but I don't know. It's, just, it's just, I feel like there's a lot of changes coming. I mean, I don't feel like 2021 wasn't necessarily a horrible year. I think 2020. I think 2020 was worse. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, when people said 2016 was a bad year, I, I guess 2020 was just looking like, ha, wait until I show up. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, you exactly. Think that was bad. Mm-hmm. I'm the you king, know. bitch. <laughs> like, for real. Like, for real. That's exactly what it was. So it's just That's like... my apprentice. <laughs> <laughs> he was testing the waters for me. <laughs> yep. So, but like, I mean, we'll, we'll, at this point, I'm not going to hope for a good year. I'm just going to hope for a safe year. That's right. pretty much all we can do at this so point. We can only hope yep. for a year where it's like it doesn't get too crazy. Not too much crazy shit happens. And you make it out alive right. at this point. That, that's I hope I make it. I'll be 30. I hope I make it this year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of us got a lot of big things coming this year. So hopefully. I hit my milestone. <laughs> yeah. Ho- ho- hopefully the government doesn't screw us too much. Oh, but that, that that's wishful thinking. That's, yeah, it is, is wishful. It's completely wishful thinking. The only credit I give the Biden administration is for taking uh, COVID seriously. That's the only yeah. credit I give them. Everything yeah. else, I'm just like, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because unless it's COVID related, we don't really hear much about him, which I guess is a good thing that we don't hear much about the president. It's because yeah. we were, we was hearing about Trump every week. So week. so like this. I, I, I told people, listen, I'm just here for the break. Okay. Yep. <laughs> right. 
I don't hate Trump and I don't necessarily care for Biden. I'm just here for the break. I just I'm need a break. break. <laughs> I feel you. Break. I just need a break. From, exactly. I need a break from the madness. Like, <laughs> like I you've probably seen the memes of Captain Picard sitting in the um Enterprise chair and like status damage report. It's like it was like that for the past couple yeah. of years. It was literally waking up and just sitting there like, okay, what screwed up thing happened today? Because uh, one of the things that makes it so important, like people got to understand, like when you're a world leader and you tweet something, that changes the economy. Like mm-hmm. just look at Elon Musk. He tweeted one thing. He's not even like a world leader, but he's just a, he's one of the richest guys in the world. Yep. So technically that's a world leader because we all know the rich really dictates what goes on here. Exactly. Um, he tweeted about Bitcoin. Bitcoin went whoop for a minute mm-hmm. off of his tweet about yep. Bitcoin. That's how big of a deal, which is crazy. I don't understand how that happens, but they literally have life and death with yeah. their hands. You know. If they act reckless, it impacts the working people off of their recklessness. This is insane that it's like that. I don't want it to be like that. I wish it wasn't, but that's just a real actual thought. Right? <laughs> it's it's really scary to think about. It's just like, you know, because you grow up thinking that like, oh, it's the government. They have control over them. I'm like, no, they don't. The government no, they doesn't. Don't. They really don't. Some of them really try hard. Some of them like really, really, really try hard. But at the end of the day, it's really the, and this is not conspiracy talk or anything like no. this is this is legit like these this is the one percent yeah <laughs> like the, these these big big time big fat cat corporations that make money like literally like just by doing nothing they right. they run they run this country oh yeah they, they run oh, the yeah. country it's as simple as that they run the country so but they can I mean, look at all the politicians that are in office that are millionaires when they're supposed yep. to make two hundred thousand dollars a year right like that's their salary. Their salary is only $200,000 a year, but they're millionaires. How the hell are millionaires? Exactly. The president of the United States salary is $400,000 a year. Mm-hmm. He leaves a millionaire. How the hell he became a millionaire? Who's putting money in, like Obama, for instance? And, you know, like Obama, I have my things with him. I read all his books, all that stuff. I wish he would have did things better way, of course. Right. Obama had a, 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 a salary of 100 of four hundred thousand dollars, he left worth two hundred million. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's probably yeah. richer than that now. Exactly, <laughs> because like what he had, he had like a, he he put out a couple more books. Um, he, he didn't didn't he sound like a like a deal with like Netflix or something like that? Yep, he yeah. saved Wall Street. By the way, he bailed out Wall Street. So yep. imagine how much Wall Street money he's getting off of that. Yeah. Like, he probably like, called him like, listen, motherfuckers, I could have saved the working class, but I gave y'all, the, y'all could have all went to prison. <laughs> he's like, like he's, he said like, he literally said, I want my cut. <laughs> right? <laughs> give me my cut. That, That's that, how you know that he was guaranteed to be rich as fuck right off mm-hmm. of that. <laughs> you know, so it, it, it's just wild to think about like, we're living in very interesting times, but I don't, I, I'm not losing hope. Basically, I'm not I'm not losing hope just yet. And it's very easy to. It's definitely very easy to, but like I definitely feel like our generation and the generations after us, I think they're gonna be the ones to make the turnaround, hopefully. As long oh, as yeah. they as long as they stay on track, don't get distracted by all these things that these older generation people is doing, all these old heads and stuff. 
And I don't mean to say that because there's some old heads that are actually <laughs> really cool. Yeah. But, you know, it's just time to start breaking generational things. Optimism you know? is therapy. When yes. you're, it's therapy. When you have hope and you feel it's going to change, get better, that's what drives you. That's therapy. Yeah. Um, but before we go, is there anything you want to leave off for the um, audience listening and watching? Oh, definitely. Um, Light Warriors will be dropping another album, uh, I believe, in the spring. Um, I have an EP myself that will be coming out around that time soon. Um, if it's not the spring, it's going to be the summertime. We're all working class people. So, yeah, you know, we, we, we don't get to have our deadlines like the labels do and stuff. And mm. we, we actually have to like make time to create this music. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, we're going to have a new album coming out very soon. Um, I hope everyone love it. Enjoy it. I'll definitely send you a link when it comes out. Um, uh, I have an EP that I'm working on right now that I'm going to take time actually to do. I've been trying to take time for months now, but so much mm -hmm. ish been going on. So this yeah. January is going to be the month to lay mm -hmm. some shit down. Um, yeah. Follow my podcast at Jabari uh, VLC podcast, um, independent podcaster, just like you. Um mm -hmm getting it done so thank you thank you so much for having me thank you for so much for coming out to the show this was real great it's a real good first show for the new year so hopefully <laughs> awesome. hopefully hopefully this is a was a, a good omen for the both of us that the right. day is going to be very prosperous hopefully right um also all so all your social medias are going to be in the description box so everybody can find you um more than likely, I'll probably have you back on the show. Like, um, I'm looking to have all my past guests on the show for like one big catch up, like session or something like that. But it'll probably be like later on in the year or something like that. I got, I got, oh, because just like you, I gotta make time to do this stuff. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. You know, so. <laughs> but um, again, this of course will be up on YouTube. This will be up on Facebook. The audio will be up on. Damn, I'm I can't even forget like on Anchor. <laughs> Anchor. Yeah, that's it. It'll be up on Anchor. I almost Shout forgot out the Anchor. Yeah, it'll be up on Anchor, which means it'll be up on Spotify and other podcast streaming services so you can listen. I want to thank Jamar. I want to thank Jamar for coming out to the show again. This was a real great show. I can't wait to do this again. Uh, definitely. Definitely. I will definitely keep in touch. Thank you so much for having me. I had a really great time. I was nervous at first to usually <laughs> do stuff like this, but mm -hmm. you're cool as shit, so it's fine. <laughs> and, and I, I try to be. I, that, that, like, you can ask me, I usually try to be as cool as I can because I know these things can be stressful, you know, nice. sitting on a camera and stuff, but like, I try to be as easygoing as everybody else because I like to be, I like my life to be easy. Right. <laughs> <Honestly>. <laughs> But um, thanks again, you guys, for tuning in. I will catch you guys next time. We are out. Thank you. Thank you so Peace. much.